This is Aldrin Sampia on Beyond the Headline. It is 14 minutes now before 5 o'clock. Ever heard of uh, La Twizy? May have heard of it, may have seen it, may have seen it. Um, may have seen a bunch of kids running through a mall um, with all of that destruction. Um, uh, especially the, the Mall of Africa. That's the first time that I was, because I was like, what is happening here? What is happening here? So apparently La Twizy was inspired by a TikTok challenge where teenagers storm malls, create chaos and leave. Some experts have said that teens participating in this challenge may criminally be charged as malls seek to protect their tenants and shoppers to help us unpack the social media frenzy and the role of parents and the role that parents need to play moving forward. We are now joined on the line by Bronwyn Williams, who's a partner at Flux Trends. Bronwyn, good afternoon, and thank you so much for making time for us. Where are the Latwizis now? Can we <laughs> monitor <I> them? <laughs> well, you can monitor them basically by the sort of responses that we start to see from malls, right? Because all these challenges have been organized on social media. So if you follow the hashtag, you can see where things are starting to get organized. Not, um, of course, forgetting that a lot of this can move to the DMs quite quickly and then fall under the radar. So I think what was quite interesting is that now we've got more saying that they're not going to allow minors into their premises without parental guidance or without an adult to accompany them, which does kind of give us an indication as to where the wind is blowing, right? Yeah. So when no more get indication of security threats, that's when we start to see action, reaction kind of responses. Okay. So that's where we are at the moment, but it doesn't seem like they, they, they're quite done yet. So, so before we go to the responses from authorities as well as the malls, let's try to um, define what exactly uh, Latwizis are, what they do, and perhaps the history behind this yeah sure so this is a subculture that started if you want to sort of again go into sort of internet ethnographic studies and all the rest of it and have a look at the semantics and the trends and where it came from it started around about 2018 where the sort of hashtag started being mentioned online and it refers to essentially a subculture a teenage subculture that has two things in common one being an online footprint at least a nominal fandom with certain certain very specific American rappers. And then also the other part of that Venn diagram that the two in the middle of is Bramfontein, Johannesburg-based culture. So you've got this online and this offline component, and it's a new subculture, and it's unique to our part of the world, although there are similar subcultures that evolved in other teenage groups across different nations across the globe at the moment. Now, what's unique about them is that, again, they started off being like a nominal fandom of, of various different rappers, but they've kind of cohesed around an aesthetic, an aesthetic being kind of a mix of urban and goth, right? So you can imagine like a uniquely South African urban goth aesthetic. This is a counterculture movement. And I suppose if you are looking, taking a larger look across history, there's been many of these sort of Countercultural teenage-based movements are highly tied together with pop culture, with aesthetics, and of course, with a common dissatisfaction of the status quo. Everything from sort of greases in the 50s through to the punks in the 70s and the sort of goths of the 90s. These have all been sort of teenage movements that have been spilled over into mainstream culture. So various parts of their aesthetic, it's adopted by fashion houses and sort of formalized and gentrified. So that's something we can look at happening here too. But it does speak to youth dissatisfaction with the economy, with the political environment, and with their social lives. But the then why too. are they fighting amongst each other if there's dissatisfaction with the status quo? 
Well, this is the thing. I mean, like if you have followed teenage youth tribes, again, all those ones that I mentioned all had outpourings of senseless violence at various different points. I mean, like violence is quite a big word here, but yes, there has been some sort of agitation this group has caused. Uh, but this is not a this is not a unique new phenomenon. But what is new about it is how it's been organized and memefied using social media, which allows these groups and these ideologies, these movements and the destructive behavior we see now, like the mall challenge to go and cause chaos and leave, can be spread that much faster and can be organized that much better by people that wouldn't have ever met each other in real life in previous generations. Very interesting. And, and you're correct also about um, the whole aesthetic around it, the fashion as well. Mm-hmm. And I have to say that some of uh, these kids look very, very fashionable. Perhaps some of the stuff yeah, that I would <laughs> some of the stuff that I would wear as well. But then the, the parents, how, how would a parent know whether their child is part of um, such a group? And there's nothing wrong with being upset against the status quo and protesting against the, ta- the status quo. But when it now moves into destructive behavior, I think that's where the problem then begins. Yes, this is when authorities need to take a a notice and have to instill some sort of consequences in these groups, as parents and old generations and authorities always have to have had. There's a line that's okay to sort of assert your independence and you're growing growing into your maturity and all the rest of it, but then you cross that line into criminal activity and it's disruptive behavior. Yes, authorities have to take notice, and authorities being the law, yes, also being private sector actors like the malls themselves, and also parents taking a closer interest in what their children are getting up to. But again, I do think it's worth pointing out that particularly in the South African context, there, there's a lot of reasons that are actually our fault as older generations and as authority figures in the space that are exacerbating situations happening here. This is the this is speaking to at a slightly deeper level, speaking to political dissatisfaction, or speaking to economic disenfranchisement, you know, inability to participate in a capitalist system that we have around us, and also speaking to authority figures and role models in the home not necessarily providing younger people with a good role model to look up to. And I, I say this like with that with them. Um, being part of the problem, obviously, but we don't have good role models in our society at the moment, particularly in the political domain. And we have many broken homes too. And these are just realities that we have to have. To have. There are many young people that don't have good role models in terms of parental figures, in terms of political figures, and in terms of even business leaders to look up to. And then they start looking to each other or role models or to pop culture or to rap artists who, of course, sing and rap about uh, very, very different sort of ways of living. And uh, we can't really be surprised, even though we do need to step up and, and take responsibility as adults to guide our youth. We also have to take some responsibility onto ourselves to say that we have failed to give these young people a good place to channel their natural, useful energy. Yeah. Just quickly want to take this call from Sammy, who's joining us from Dobsonville, raising a quite important point. Sammy, good afternoon mm. and welcome. Good afternoon, Adrian and your guest. Adrian, you know, you know what, man? this whole thing of electricity, let's be honest with ourselves and stop being politically correct. We need to start looking things in the past. We need to start, you know, eradicating a problem before it develops into something. Because let's be honest about what's going on here. It's the black youth they are engaging in criminality. This thing that these people that is being unsatisfied about the status quo, the state of the economy, yeah, you know, we, we've been teenagers. 
there were problems taking back to the 60s, 80s, whatever. And this thing, let me tell you what's going to happen. Because if we're going to take it lightly, as if it's just a youth that's being satisfied expressing that dissatisfaction, you know what's going to happen? These small owners, the mall managers, they're going to start racially profiling the black youth. I know. This is what's going to happen. And what are we going to say? We're going to start saying no. Our youth is being racially profiled. Yeah. And we're going to start crying racism. Because this is what's going to happen. So this thing it needs to be dealt with before it, it grows its head. It needs to be crushed down. Thank you so much, Sammy, for that point. Bronman, your, 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 your response to that, and of course all of this is happening in the context of South Africa where the majority yes. of the population is black. Yeah, so I, I do hear what your, what your caller is saying there. We do have to take this seriously. I'm not saying we should make light of it, although we can draw parallels to various different movements. We do have to understand that, that youth movements can start out, in this case, being apolitical, come from the pop culture side of things, and then turn into political movements, which is something that I'm certainly looking very closely at what's going on here in, in my work, and that we've seen parallels with other youth movements and groups that started out again in the pop culture space and then actually got involved in quite serious politics. So we need to watch quite carefully to see that some sort of leadership figure, whether a figure for good or ill, is going to harness this energy and direct it towards more political causes, whether that being working against the system again or even turning into a political party in the future. That's something that we can look at there. In terms of like responses from malls, I think that it is worth pointing out, and again, this is saying we have to take, take this in a social context context, not in just trying to say who's demonizing one particular group. There's clearly a problem here. I think that some of the responses by the malls, like we spoke about earlier, like the whole thing is they're saying that teenagers need to be accompanied by an adult. So this is obviously a rational choice yeah. for a mall to make, but it's creating a vicious cycle in that this is a symptom of young people having no constructive spaces and places to meet and no constructive causes to rally around where they feel they're being heard and seen. Now, if we are excluding teenagers from being able to meet in malls, and not all teenagers are bad apples or are violent agents of nihilistic chaos, absolutely not. Now we have one less safe space for young people to get together. We don't have a safe society in South Africa. You can't meet safely in public spaces, in open spaces. That's the reality of our society. Malls are an exception. Malls are also where people who don't have access to internet go to get access to internet, to complete assignments, to do schoolwork. I mean, we know this. These are sort of unspoken realities of our very unequal society. And now malls, by acting rationally, by responding to a real threat, are actually increasing the threat to greater society because now where are these people, these young people going to meet? There's going to be less supervision, less security, and what happens next, right? So we have to look at this as a social problem and think about how we are failing our young people and providing them with safe, healthy spaces and including them in being part of positive change. This is something we see across corporate South Africa, across political South Africa. We know there are huge differences between power and age. Mm. We have a youthful population, but the people in power in the public sector and the private sector are very, very old. Africa has some of the oldest politicians in the world that are leading some of the youngest, the, the, the youngest generational cohorts in the world, right? You know that these imbalances are going to find their way into society. So we have to look at this rather than just saying we've got to punish the young people who deservedly deserve punishment for breaking the law and for causing chaos. We also need to find ways to prevent this. So we're not constantly looking at the yeah. 
cleaning up mess. We're actually looking at ways to prevent things from breaking in the future. I think we need to take this as a very serious signal of the, the thin end of the wedge, the tip of the iceberg that we could be looking at. Fair point. Thank you so much, Bronwyn. Really appreciate your time. Bronwyn Williams is a partner at Flux Trends.